Welcome to the I Come With Baggage podcast. I'm your host, Crystal L. Bass. This podcast is a collection of candid conversations that unpacks the baggage of our guests to see what has anchored them to success in their fields. We all come with baggage, but now it's time to heal. Get ready because it gets real. This is the I Come With Baggage podcast. but I can hear you. It's like a, a, a second delay. All right, so my nerves are getting bad. Like I should like go to the car or something. This is like way too important. Girl, don't start telling me I look like my daddy over here. <laughs> so Dale, is it bad? Should I like go outside or do something? No, if it gets worse, no, I mean, this is this is doable. I've been in some lives where it's been a lot worse. So right now you just, it just got clearer like too. So I think we should be good. All right, so this has been running smooth but i told you when greatness is coming the devil is you know is getting busy so hi thank you so much for getting on you know it's been a while since we've seen each other right. <laughs> like this but a little bit of history we go way back um to your your was that your first film yeah 1997 that was my first film my first script my first acting my first producing it was a humble crew and of course uh, my wonderful amazing wife Kim who you know so it was it's been a, it's been a journey yes 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 and I want to thank you guys for giving me like my first real speaking speaking role kind of sort of like I came up to New York and, and it was you know it was a mess but <laughs> it I rained remember, that like, day huh? it was like yesterday I still remember like the the hair shop scene, I remember everything. Yeah. Look, so okay. Kim just handled me this. Ah, you know, I have mine. I have mine. Oh. Like, so I thought I was the shit when I could go in. Um, it was Blockbuster at the time. I went in Blockbuster and got the movie. I was like, y'all, I'm in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Dale, listen, I don't want to speak for you. When I posted some of the things about Cracker and mm -hmm. I posted your 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 flyer people were asking what your nationality was yeah you know it, it, it's kind of crazy because the ignorance in this world in this country is so deep and it's so racist can you turn that down on your side a little bit um it, it blows my mind to to see the first things that come out of people's mouths especially the ignorant ones <laughs> First of all, my last name is Restigini. My middle name is Anthony. That's Italian. So I am not some Jew, as they, as they refer to it. I'm not some kike, as they refer to me. I, I, like, the, the, the ignorance behind that question that, that, or that comment that, that you've seen and that I saw in a lot of different posts and comments is just automatic knee-jerk, alt-right, white supremacy, stupidity. Um, and even if, I, even if I was Jewish, I we all have many Jewish friends um, of, of various factions of religion. And that's just, it doesn't even matter if I was Jewish or not. It's it's just stupid. So there you go. I'm 85% I'm, I'm, I'm Italian and a mix of 
of, of, of some Middle Eastern, some Irish, um, you know, that. But by and large, I'm Italian. Okay. There you go. Hey, Kim. Love you, girl. Well, no, some of my people want to know if you had any black in you. Oh, got you, got you, got you. Um, no, 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 not that I, unless, you know, you know what? I think there's maybe a half, a half of 1%, but I'm not going to pull a political move and say I'm black and claim that. So there you go. But your wife is. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> through and through, you already know that. As, 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 as is a lot of my, my amazing circle. And, and um, even like a lot of the team, the DIY team, DIY is short for do it yourself. Uh, uh, are a lot of black and brown, brown girls on both coasts that help get word out. It was like, um, I think Jay Tasha that came up with us dropping the trailer initially on Juneteenth. Um, and all these amazing, wonderful, talented black and brown people that helped me pull this together, as well as my Caucasian brothers and sisters and my Asians and my Latins. But by and large, I have a large circle of black and browns that, that in family, um, on, on various continents that support what what we do and, and, and what we're all about. And we and we love to see it. And we love your support. And like, I, I think it may have been Kim in there saying, you know, you hold the sisters down. Right. And we appreciate that. Like, I can remember, do you remember, uh, well, I ventured out on my own and, and attempted to move out to LA. And you kind of took me under your wing a little bit. You said, you know, meet you at this comedy show. And right. JB, what's his name? JB Smooth was playing there. Yeah. Do you yeah. even remember? Yeah. And I had the best time. I laughed yeah. so hard that night. He he was like, you know, he was kind of funny looking to me and funny, like awkward moving. And then we went to IHOP and all that kind of stuff. But I ended up back in Baltimore. But um, well, yes, you, you've been in day one. Fate and Destiny, you know, you're, you're, Fate and Destiny brings us all in different journeys and ultimately we're we're at where we're supposed to be at that point in time. Like, there's just no getting around it. So, um, but yeah, you, you definitely qualify under the definition of what an authentic day one is. You are certainly a day one with us because Colors of Rage was my first of everything in terms of being a filmmaker. And even though I had a life prior to that, as far as this industry goes, like you're a day one. And, and as we know, and, and, and culturally we know, day ones get a lot of, a lot of extra benefits and passes and, and access that, you know, day four, five, six, and, and Johnny come lately's and Cindy come lately's don't get because they just weren't along for the ride. And, you know, we all understand what that means. Kim, you see what Kim just said? Chris no, I didn't see. in the Cracker series. Yeah, Kim. <laughs> so, so we're going to, we're going to get to Cracker, but I want to know, like, you, you already know I watched it. And I have some folks on here who, you know, we're going to get it popping. They're going to download it tonight. But um, what made you come up with that idea? So so it started out like this. It, it was the beginning of 2017. I had a new manager at the time. And um, he was getting me in some, a lot of good rooms and meetings in L.A., a lot, of, a lot of generals and some great scripts and whatnot. And he said, listen, everybody knows your, your talent as, as a music video director. And um, remember, Colors of Rage was was a lifetime, a, a generation ago, a filmmaker's generation ago, or two generations ago, when it was on film and it was a more analog process, and it was sort of just like it was the wild, wild west in terms of like the independent cinema in, scene with like the Tarantinos and Jim Jarmusch's and the Roberto Benini's and the and and, and uh, 
Robert Rodriguez's, and I was like following in those footsteps along with my other filmmaker filmmaker peers at that point in time. Um, so uh, along that journey, um, uh, it, it's just been a process to get to where I'm at right now. And so having had success as an independent filmmaker and crossing into music videos where I just crushed it, I then decided, okay, let me focus on film and TV long form. So my my manager that my manager at that point in time said, listen give me something more narrative so we can show these studio heads and agents that you can actually direct um, uh, talent and, and work with a script. And I'm like, I've done this before. Like I, I and it got, but you can't use Colors of Rage from 1997, 98, which is a flawed first film, but I'm, it's still one of my babies. Like I'm proud of that experience, that film, but I can't use that as a representation of my work as a filmmaker because it just doesn't it doesn't power up with, with what with what they want to see especially mm -hmm. having gone from independent filmmaking on my first film on a low budget 60 millimeter film to the slick and glossy world of music videos with puffy and akon and guns and roses and everybody else so i followed uh, that advice and i said okay let me create something new i was just going to create like a scene out of a, a developing script i've been working on about the life of christmas addicts who's a famed runaway slave from boston whose story i know well because i'm from boston so is that because you're from Boston? Yes, yeah, so I know. Or yes, because I know his story really, really well. And um, that's a development project as well. So I said, Okay, let me do that. So as I decided at that point in time, I'm going to work on that as my narrative piece. Charlottesville happened, right. And so I was like, Wow. Uh, so so Charlottesville in itself was just horrible and, and, and ignorant. And, and what uh, Trump said was 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 ignorant, but what happened days and weeks after that just blew my mind. Here I am. So this is very very important. As a white guy who's been around black and brown people a lot more than your average white person that thinks they know black people because they listen to Jay Z or they like Beyonce or they have a black coworker or they dress a certain way, we know that that's not what black culture is, right? It, it's 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 a part of it. But when you've been going to barbecues and when you've been, I, I've been locked up, played spades, like, like the whole, like when, when you've been around black and brown people for 30 years of your life and Charlottesville happens. And then as a white guy who's on Facebook and Instagram, when I start seeing other white people post Charlottesville, start posting memes of Muslims getting F by donkeys or unarmed black men getting killed black women getting raped and, and, and by white people saying that this is justified or this is okay. I'm like, what the, like, what, what human thinks that this is okay to post? What, what, how, how soulless do you need to be to actually want to post something like this and think it's okay? So the ignorance just blew me away. And this is being posted. These memes and these videos are being posted by adult white men and women some who I knew growing up as, as, as playing as uh, if I played hockey with my with a guy named Tom, eight years old in Framingham, Massachusetts. Tom's now 50 years old, who um, the Toms and the Janes who are white, who I grew up with, mostly had regular lives as like plumbers or carpenters or um, store workers uh, that never felt the need to get a mobile phone, let alone a smartphone, let alone a Facebook page or an Instagram page. They're now 40 and 50, 60 years old. So now they never having gone down the road of understanding what tech is, like we have because we're in the business. So we've grown with tech from, from the beginning. 
they now have kids and grandkids who have pages of on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. So now they're having to adapt it because they're of a certain age and they just, okay, I got Oh, well, I got a Facebook page. My, my, my nephew set this up. Oh, this is kind of funny. Let me repost this and let me post this. So the ignorance of them posting stuff that they, that, that, that otherwise they, sh they should already know not to post. They post. And I said to myself, how can these experienced life people who understand that enslaving any human beings wrong, they've likely seen roots or 12 years a slave. Like, how can they feel it's okay to post this ignorance? Like, what would make them think that they can't? And then that's when it clicked. I said, ah, what if they could see what's happening in these images and memes that they're posting happen to somebody that looks just like them? Better yet, what if it's their daughter or their mother getting raped or beaten or killed? and hung and whipped. What if it's, that was the moment that Cracker was born? Yeah, man, I watched it. And it was, I will say, it was super thought provoking and it was uncomfortable too. But I'm uncomfortable seeing any anyone enslaved, whether it's black or white. When I watch black slave movies, it's uncomfortable. But I just wanna thank you for using your platform in that way and pretty much pushing the envelope to make people see because everybody has these conversations, you know, it's kitchen table talk. Everybody says, you know, well, if George Floyd was white and a black police had his knee on his neck, then what would have happened? If, you know, if Ahmaud Aubrey was white and he was running through, you know, what would have happened? So you kind of showed us that what if thing. Yep. So I thank you for using your platform to do that. And it's very brave. A lot of people would not do that. Well, you know what, you know what I said? So the only people that really had an issue with it are people who are either racist or they don't know that they're racist. And I can go on and on about the death threats that, that we received, that the FBI call, called us because our addresses were being posted online saying this is where he lives. And uh, on, on my Instagram page, I think this three posts ago, I actually played a video of a bunch of voicemails being left by by dumb ignorant racist morons that actually call from their own numbers leaving me these horrible voicemails just to kind of give you an idea of the ignorance that's out there so when listen i've been through i, I should have been dead four or five times in my life at this point and i'm still here i've, I've had a humbly successful um career and life i love what i do so i walk an absolute fearlessness. So anybody has an issue with what I'm talking about? <laughs> Kim said, we ain't scared, come with it, which is what I was gonna ask you. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm believing that you said, because everybody wants to see more of Cracker, you know, it was a short, everyone wants to see more. Yeah, and let me just say this, in fact, this is what it was. So Cracker, initially, as I told you, was gonna be just um, a visual piece for my, my my agent management team to show studios and, and, and executives that, that Dale as a filmmaker can, can also direct actors and work from his own script. So what it technically is called is a proof of concept video. And, and I just happened to think as I was filming a couple of scenes, let me just kind of make it just a tad more cohesive, just in the event I need to actually sell this as a short, which I really, 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 really didn't think I was gonna have to do because the second it was done, let me take a step back. So just as I told you how it evolved from being a piece from my Christmas project into Cracker, 
um, a, a lot of my friends in the business, uh, people like RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan, was like, yo, bro, I want to be down with this. And now he's, he was, over the years, a part of a few of my other projects, but it was always more traditionally Hollywood in that speak to my manager, my lawyers, work it out. But the second he heard my cracker pitch, sent me a text, bro, I'm in, like in, in, in. He's like, can we wait until the top of 2018 and I'll pay for it? I said, no, no, I got to go now, 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 now. So not only were people so hip to it, just hearing the concept, when they saw it, it was lights out. And so when it was done a few months later after we got finished editing, it went to WME and they wanted to package me with people like Ryan Coogler, um, Donald Glover, Carlton Cuse, he did Lost, uh, Jonathan Nolan, um, uh, uh, Jordan Peele. And like, it was, we're getting in every major room. And there, now what happened was, and this is Hollywood, um, what happened was once we, I get emails and texts from all these major players and this is what the proof of concept was for, to show that this can be a series. So we were going up the ladder of all these different places, but it got to, I guess what you call it the white room where all the white people were like, well, we don't know because white people are getting raped and mur I'm like, but that's the idea. You guys are always making films and TV shows about blacks and brown getting raped, getting killed, getting murdered, getting shot. I'm just simply using science fiction as a Trojan horse to help people see racism through a new lens to show that it's wrong. And they just said, well, we don't know. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is, just, this is just crazy. Like, how can it be okay for you guys to make another series called um, Good Lord Bird, I think it's called, with Ethan Hawke? who plays the white man who comes saves the black people because they need his help and, and keep making slave movies. And I know enough black people in my world, they're like, listen, we're tired of seeing that stuff. Like, we need to see some new stories. So I made it for, to really um, help educate the, the, the ignorant or the, or the white, because not every white person that is racist or have, have overt white privilege are bad intentionally. They just don't know that they're wrong. So although you have the neo-Nazis and the skinheads and you get the people that hate black and brown because they think they're racially superior, fuck them. It's like, I'm trying to reach the people that don't, that don't get it. Like, like, like the white people that say, well, BLM, you know, they're looting. And I'm like, you guys don't get it. This is 401 years of shit that we started. Like, well, my parents didn't know slaves. Not, it's not the point. Like we came here, <laughs> we came here, we, we, we stole this land. We raped and pillaged and looted a whole entire culture of people and we claimed it as our own so we have no moral high ground and we went from slavery to the to 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 allegedly being free to to the ghettos and just never never getting our knee off their neck and we want to say well they have equal opportunity like us no no so 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 like the idea of creating crack was to just put the people that don't think there's anything wrong right now with systemic racism to help them see that okay Maybe I've seen this and I wasn't aware of just how much of an impact slavery has had on black and brown people my entire life. And it's a shock for a lot of white people who are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old because they grew up thinking, well, blacks have equal day. They can get the same job my uncle can and they can get scholarships and they can play sports and they get their rap music, they get their cars. That's, that's ignorance. So. Yeah. So a lot of those white people, and, I, and I'm, I'm getting through because obviously, and it's a lot of those white people that say, there's no such thing as racism. Racism doesn't exist. And I'm like, okay, so for, so for something that doesn't exist, my 90 second trailer that we dropped on Juneteenth 
went viral in 24 hours with damn near 18, 19,000 comments. And you guys were up in arms over four seconds of a 90 second trailer that had a very, very, very tame uh, rape scene where there's no nudity. It's just over the top acting, great acting by my, by, by my, 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 my cast who, who loved what they did. But you guys are more upset over that scene for four seconds than you are over 526 seconds of seeing a, a, an unarmed black man get choked in front of you by a cop live. Like, you're more yeah. upset about that fake TV show than you are reality of a murder. Like, check yourself. You know? Yeah. yeah, you know, I just experienced something on Sunday, and which is why I asked you. I said, let's have this conversation. Let's have a race conversation. On Sunday, I'm just minding my business at home. We have, it's a lot of lands, 15 acres, right? And it's a very long driveway, maybe a quarter of a mile or more, I don't know. But there was a, a young man in his 30s, white, and he had five or six younger teenage white kids hmm. up and down my driveway, up, yang, 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 with, uh, you know, dirt bikes, right? So when I go out to say, hey, guys, this is private property, you can't just be up and down my driveway. They call me, oh, you're a black Karen. You're a black Karen. What you want these kids out on the street getting into trouble, all this? I'm like, I'm a, I'm a black Karen because this is my property. Like, that kind of white privilege makes you believe yeah. this is an all black development, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they believe that they can just come here on the weekends and just wreak havoc up and down our street. And yeah. I, I, I'm I'm just so baffled by the privilege that they have been taught that that's okay. And right. like we moved out here for the peace and quiet, and right. they have found this neighborhood to come here and pretty much try and take over. So I called the police, and uh, the police <laughs> was a Trump. <laughs> and I mean, he told me under no uncertain terms, like, yes, they can't be around here. And, you know, when I told them get out the driveway, they started on the main road of my development. Right. And the officer said, without tags on those cars, I mean, you know, on the dirt bikes, they can't be on the street anyway. Right. But he did nothing. He did nothing. I'm like, okay. I, I mean, I was over it. I'm like, okay, let me just get through this. And then I need to find out who I need to write letters to, where I need to go, because this can't happen. Like, you're not going to come over here and take over. Now, here you won't. <laughs> and then call uh, me a uh, black parent. One or two calls to some of the friends, and they should be right there making sure that that dumb shit don't happen again. Oh, well, guess what my husband said? My husband said, oh, we're going to get them 12 o'clock boys out here there and then see what y'all going to do then. There you go. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so anyway, I want you to do a little bit of name dropping, shawty. Do a little bit of name dropping and tell us who some people you work with on these music videos. Oh God! I mean, it's it's it's. So I started out doing rock and metal videos, right? Because that was like a lane I was in after being asked to shoot this tour back in two thousand, called Tattoo the Earth. So I was able to meet bands like Slipknot and Slayer and Seven Dust and and uh, Metallica and Stone Temple Pilots and Hatebreed. And so I, I did all these rock and metal videos, and that kind of that was in two thousand. And my first music video wasn't until two thousand and three, and it was for some rock and metal bands. But I wanted to cross over to hip hop because the bigger, bigger budgets at that point in time were going on in hip hop. So 
it took me about two years of just grinding and killing it in, in music videos. Because my first year in 2003, I did like seven videos. Then in 2004, I did like 120. And then yeah. I were into hip hop. I did like, like 200 in 2005 and then six and seven. So I did dipset videos like Joel Santana, Cameron, uh, Jim Jones. I did like the balling video for Jimmy. I did all the Soldier Boys big videos. Akon, Pitbull, Snoop, you know, Fall Out Boy, Tyga, his first video, Gym Class Heroes, Buster Rhymes, Method Man, Red Man, Little Kim, Nicki Minaj, <laughs> Adi, 3-6 Mafia, uh, Rick Ross, Sean Garrett, uh, Keisha Cole, The Game, uh, on and on and on and on. So there you go. There, there, there's there's a Diddy. There's just, I can just, I can just, yeah. I've done nearly, oh, just over a thousand videos. Damn, I'm so proud of you though. You know, I was watching as a bystander. I'm like, me and Dale, we got to get back together. Me, Dale, and Kim, honey. Yep, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's definitely been a grind. And, you know, I'm, I'm self-made just like you are. And, um, you know, we, we just we just do what we do, no matter what happens. And, of course, you know, like you said today, the devil is always busy. People are trying to bring you down. People are trying to hate on you. And everybody's got their path to success. Uh, and everybody's got their different relationships. But at, at, the, at the end of the day, you know, we utilize the skill set that we have. Um, yeah. Some more like I can't write code, I can't fix my motor in my car, but I can direct the hell out of anything. And I'm in touch with people's emotions and I understand story. And I'm a maniacal Virgo. Like I share the same birthday as Michael Jackson and you know Beyonce's a Virgo, Zendaya, who's a homie, is a Virgo. Us Virgos, <laughs> uh, much like all the all the zodiacs have their thing, but Virgo specifically, we're, we're regarded as being very very. I'll use the word specific. Some people may say anal, but we're very specific about what the hell. Kiki, my homegirl, Kiki, who's going to be in a project with me, she's a Virgo. Her mom's a Virgo, so. Well, what's um, Kim's sign? She's a Taurus. She's a, she's a bull. Ah, okay. My dad was a Taurus. Okay. Uh, I love me a Taurus. <laughs> what are you? I'm a Leo. Okay. Oh, you're not too far from me. Like, I think you're just before me. So anyway, um, yeah, so uh, I just been very tenacious about going where I want to go. And, um, you know, I, I just utilize like, again, my, 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 my skill set and my relationships uh, as best I can. But at the end of the day, you just need to sh show and prove and you got to continue to do the work no matter what happens. There's a lot of ups and downs. I've been close. I've been making, I've been on this turn for many, 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 many years. And uh, I believe crack is going to be that linchpin that actually sets me off to that next phase of my career for the next 20, 30 years. So, so where, where do you see crack ahead? What, what's in store? What's next? So, so um, so this is so this so so just before we dropped it, uh, because of all the hype that we got off it, um, we we got an option on it for us to make it into a four million dollar TV series, right? So, uh, so yeah, so so but so here's here's the thing. So we have that happening. Um, it's scheduled to start, and and based on the 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 the, the new paper, um, late February. So uh, as we all know, like in the when when money clears, which some money cleared. But when the big money clears, that's when we know we can actually, you know, start to have the party and get in production and have set. Because I li I thrive of being on set. Like, that's my favorite place to be ever when I'm yeah. not chilling or, or uh, it's it's on set. Like, I just, like like a rapper or a rocker in a studio or on tour, me, it's on set. I love being around my crew, my team, my family. I just love creating and just going from one set to the next. And that's, like, one of my biggest joys. And I've mentored many other young filmmakers that are killing it in music videos. Like, there's about 15, 20 people that are household names as directors and editors and DPs that are killing it that came through my Rage Nation school. So, um, and, and you were there for the very, very beginning. Actually, I don't know if you know this, 
but our cinematographer, um, Martin Algren, is a legendary cinematographer now. He's done House of Cards season three. He's done Daredevil. He's done um, Altered Carbon for Netflix. He's just a stellar cinematographer. Billy Porter had his first film role in Colors of Rage. And Billy Porter- Who was he there? Yeah. <laughs> he, played, he played the street performer. He was, he was killing it on Broadway. I, I think he was in Smokey Joe's Cafe or he was in one of those musicals on Broadway back then. And I had him for about six hours. So I had him play like a street heckler. Like my character who was um, uh, a boyfriend to Nikki Richards in, in the film um, as the struggling couple from, from Boston, he played a street heckler. So I had him in two scenes or maybe three. And Chocolate, who was, um, who was uh, Lauren Hill's drummer, he's uh -huh. also in the scene with, with Billy Porter. So yeah, Billy Porter from Pose, who had his own crazy career, struggling to get to where he's at now, he uh, was in Caraca. I mean, he was in Colors of Rage as well. So we did, Redman was in it, and Redman and I still close. I remember Redman there. Yeah, so now I can say I did a movie with Billy Porter, honey. Yes. <laughs> tell people a little bit about what Colors of Rage was about because even back then 20 years ago it was still about race. So 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 it's interesting you say that because when the Cracker trailer dropped a lot of people just you know their antennas went up like okay this is this is a hot topic this is racism this is happening now with George Floyd and 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 all this stuff that's happening with BLM and marches and and it just became a very powerful tool at that moment in time and um uh, I, I felt like like using that as a tool to move forward is so great knowing that I come from always wanting to sort of set the record straight with racism and give perspective. So when the Cracker Trailer dropped, all these very smart kids and people and adults that do reaction videos, like, do you know what reaction videos are on YouTube? Like they, yeah. they, they actually watch something, a commercial, a music video, a movie or a trailer they react to it live as they watch it. And sometimes they'll pause and, and talk to their, their, their audience. But the smart ones, mostly like, I think there's two or three young black kids who were like, they did their research and they're very intelligent, but they're like, okay, wow, okay, so this guy did, he's white, he's married to a black woman named Kim and he, he okay, he did about Colors of Rage. Okay, so, okay, so this isn't just some new thing he's jumping on. Like, like, so, like the smart ones really do their research and they know this isn't just some, some guy just jumping on, oh, well, I want to be woke and I want to be, uh, no, 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 no. And even touching on another subject, when I started doing music videos and hip hop, I was like the director from like 2005 to 2009 or 10. And the white director, man, mind you, that was always looking out for the chocolate girls, not just the light skins, but the chocolate girls. Hello. And I was being told by labels, well, no, she's too, she's too dark. We need to, and I was so, and, and everybody in that time, in that circle, they'll tell you, okay, Rage, Dale was always looking out for the black and browns. So um, Colors of Rage was, was a story about a interracial couple moving from Boston to New York City in like the mid to late 90s and just dealing with racism back then. And that's when I remember I was experienced like um, the Israelites that were like the black Israelites would be in Times Square who just called every white person walked by the white devil. And, and just, there was just a lot of, um, even though hip hop was getting woke and there was a lot of positive positivity, New York City in the mid '90s to late '90s there was still a lot, a lot of division. And of course, Giuliani has a lot to do with it. all kinds of, you know, micro sociological issues that cause, you know, um, problems in, in 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 our culture and in our cities and our suburbs. But uh, it was important for me to 
make a statement saying, okay, this, this couple, no matter what's happening, is going to make it through. And even though it was based on some true story stuff, um, and it didn't end up in a real positive way, I, I, and I forced the story to go that way because I was intent on um, selling a message that, you know, harmony can be achieved as long as people stick together and work through all the tough times. Yeah, so how was your family with you bringing home a black woman? And how was Kim's family uh, bringing home a white man? Was, was there, I have these conversations with friends sometimes who they can't get over the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel like everyone is racist. But when things happen, people are like, see, I told you, like, if people had to take a side, <laughs> you know, they're going over there on the white side. If they can, right. they can pass. So did you guys have any friction with your families? No, not at all. I think, I think when I was still in my teens, when I was 19, 20, and I brought home my first black girl, I think my, my parents were a little taken aback. My parents were never racist at all. I remember, I think I was in third grade. I called my, my teacher, Mrs. Harding, the N-word, because I think I heard one of my other friends say it, and I said it, and I got in trouble. My dad made me go up to school. He whipped, he whipped me and made me apologize to Mrs. Harding. And, and, and so my parents were never racist, but they were taken aback the first time I brought home a black girl. And then, you know, they got used to it. And then, you know, because I dated white girls and some Spanish girls, but I just always felt like I was drawn more towards black and brown girls. So it just sort of just became more normal for them to see me with brown girls. So then by the time me and Kim had met, this is probably about maybe, what, 10, 12 years after they seen me with my first black girl. They met Kim. They knew Kim was smart. She was she was intelligent. She had a great job. She was very presentable. Like, they were already, they, they she won them over the first time she met them, which I think was Christmas. Yeah, I'm sorry. Kim's so crazy. She's cracking me up in these comments. I, can't, about, I love my cracker. I can't see the feed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, she's crazy. So, so, um. So yeah, so they so they left her, and then I met her. I met I met her um her mom and um her dad, and they liked me a lot. So yeah, they, they, they and, and and her she was she was raised by a mom who had uh, Kim was one of nine, and in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is predominantly white, um and so she she grew up liking Bruce Springsteen as much as she liked Sh the Sugar Hill Gang. So she and she worked in entertainment, working with people like Celine Dion and 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 and, the, and, and Sting and. And Russell Simmons and, and and Diddy and Carol King and a lot of legends. So power couple. Yeah. So 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 yeah. We didn't have that traditional friction, but um, um, we know that it ex we we know that it, it that it exists. So uh, but we're in a time now where, uh, let me just use BLM as uh, these marches as as an example where, um, these younger generations. They ain't having the dumb shit. Like, like it, there may be some 30, 40, 50 year old racists that are still lingering around, carrying around their well, white power, the South or the Confederate flag or Trump. And keep your anger, keep your keep keep your dumb ignorance where you want to keep it. But at the end of the day, these younger generations, they're gonna continue to just populate and they're gonna continue just to grow and you'll be dying off. And because um, these younger like these these marches that we we've, we've gone to have been mostly with the majority white and then black and brown people. So like, like I feel comfortable knowing that no matter what happens, once the idiot in office is gone in a couple of weeks um, with this new administration over the next five, 10, 15, 20 years, that, that angry white minority is going to shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink. Well, that is the prayer. Yes. <laughs> that is the prayer.
But Kim should have been on the uh on the couch next to you because she is going up in these comments, and I'm here for it, Kim. <laughs> she the other room. She 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 did her hair today. She was she she has her own little hustle that she's doing, and so she's fully supportive. And uh, I think she found she had the date mixed up because she obviously because she likes turning out on going live. So, uh, and she's got an artist that she's working with. Uh, you're in Maryland, right? Yes. We just worked. We just did a music video for an artist named Thailand who's in Prince George. Uh, Prince George's County, yeah. Yeah, right, right near you. So you should actually. County. Yeah, well, I'll have Kim connect you with with her. But family's amazing, amazing, amazing family. Uh, you, you love them, so uh, maybe just do something with them too, because it will be a nice power move. Because they're very, they're very connected. You're connected, and you got a you got a great platform. And I love your uh, baggage, your baggage concept. Yes, honey, that's what we're on here. We're talking about the baggage of racism today. Yes, yes. <laughs> So, so, so when you first heard about, um, no, so going back to Colors of Rage, can you remember your line from your scene that you're in? You know what? Listen, my sister is on here. Some of my girlfriends are on here. You know what's so crazy? I said, my daddy would beat my ass if I bought home a Brandon or a Brett. <laughs> and not even, I'm, uh, probably like two years later, I met a Brett and was dating a Brett for many years and lived with a Brett. I thought I was going to marry him. Thank God that didn't happen. But a black Brett. <laughs> wow, that's hysterical. That's hysterical. But yeah that, yeah, that was a great, that was a great line. Yeah. yeah. That was a crazy time. I think, yeah, it was Cheryl Fitz Riley was in that with Nikki and Allison Williams. Yes, it was, it was a. It was a great time. I remember, I remember every single day I've ever shot, I think, my entire life. I can literally go back to any rock, metal, hip-hop video location. Like, it's just, it's one of those things that I have. So I remember that day exactly. I think you had braces then too, right? Or I did. I was a little brace face. And, and so one of my shots was just sad, sad, sad profile, right? But then I had the brace face camera right here. I was like, oh, no! That's hysterical. <laughs> That's yeah, it was funny. Joe Chapani, who was doing um, makeup on us, he's still with us. Joe works on some of our music videos. He's going to be working on this uh, Gloria Gaynor music video that we're doing, and oh. and on Sunday up here in in Yonkers, New York. So uh, Joe has been with us. He worked on Cracker as well. He actually applied the the tattoo to Lorenzo, who plays my lead in the SS on 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 his head. So uh, Joe said to us, say hello to you when we when we. Uh, when we go live. So Joe says hello. Oh, hi, Joe. How sweet is this? How, how, how great is it when things come full circle? Yeah. Right? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Humble beginnings. Humble beginnings. That's right. That's right. And it's so great to, to connect with you guys and have, like, my time in LA, I will tell you the thing I appreciated about you the most. People, you know, people make a lot of, and Kim, you will appreciate this. Your husband is like so amazing and so awesome to just mentor people, take them under their wings. And when my little short time in LA, everybody was trying to get me on a casting couch. And, and Kim, I'm just going to tell you, your husband is just like the realest one, like genuinely want to help people, never, you know, anything sideways. And I just always loved that and appreciated that you that I knew that I had a safe space with you, like a brotherly safe space. So yeah. I just want to say, you know, that was for me um, something so super different from any of my other experiences in LA. Kim said he's a good cracker. <laughs> no, well, it's, 
it, it, when Kim was on set, um, from day one all the way through our seven days of filming, Kim had the biggest, bestest time with Joyce Washington, who's also black, who came in from LA, who worked on as a producer on it. Kim was out there telling every single per every single white person, move, cracker, cracker, move. Move your ass, cracker. Get in line, cracker. Kim was cracking, cracking on every cracker she could see. Yeah, you you she said you's a you's a good cracker. And I, I will say, like, you know, everything that's coming your way, and you know, I've been watching you over the years. Cause it, it was some some award show. It was a video, and I think you guys won. I can't think of what that guy's name is. Uh, the short, heavy guy dressed kind of weird from LA. Can't think of his name, but I think you did something with him. And I saw it like on Entertainment Tonight, and I was rooting for it. But I'm like, everything that Dale gets, he deserves. Everything coming your way, you deserve it. All the blessings your way. I I, I just love you guys. Thank you so much. Well, listen, we listen. You're a day one with us. When you know we get in production, or anything significant and big, and you want to be a part of it, you know. You have uh, you have the access to, to, to make the call. Uh, obviously, you're doing multiple verticals for your own self with your your many business lines. And I know that that Kim that Kim liked your baggage your, your baggage line. She's actually doing. You guys should actually have a side conversation because she's doing some really cute stuff with some enhanced personal bags that she makes. So you guys could do some really nice things together. And if you go to the um, we're gonna start selling um, the cracker merch. So we got cracker hoodies, cracker hats. So you can you can own your own cracker. Yeah, Kim, Kim said I'm going to be in, in Cracker, and, and Kim, I'm taking you up on that, but I am going to send you guys some merch. Um, I am going to do that, and then I'm going to invite you guys on our virtual tour, but someone is saying CeeLo. Yes, it was CeeLo yeah, that I saw you with. Yes. Yeah. I've done, I, I, I shot his live concert in L.A. for AT&T at the Ace Theater. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've done a lot of things with CeeLo and his, and his management company, so yeah, I've really done... I've, I've done a, I've done a, oh, you, I, I think you probably saw us on a red carpet together at a primary wave party during the Grammys. Maybe, maybe yep, that. Yep. My uh, sister says she needs Cracker merch. But before you get your Cracker merch. Hold on, hold on. Go to, you got to go to Cracker World, CrackerWorld.com. And on the, it, it's, it, the site's being built, but it's still some Cracker imagery there. There's a, a, a tab for t-shirts and hoodies and watch the, watch the trailer. So you click on hoodies, you can just order it up and you can own your own Cracker. Kim, type the um type the the link to it in the comment section. But before that, Kim, type down there. Everybody, before they worry about the merch, let's let's go download that movie tonight. And after you watch it, please make sure you leave a review. I'm hold gonna get on top of people. Listen, they can't watch the movie anymore because we have the, the we the 30 minute piece we just had to take down, um because of the the option that we just signed. So. Oh! Yeah, so so part of the deal was because the people putting up the money, they're like, we don't want to have this out there, taking away possible hype that we can have when we launch the series. So for now, it's down. Uh, after going number one on Google, number two on iTunes, and number three on Amazon, and we went number one, number two, and number three over the Christmas holiday with no marketing dollars behind it, no promotion behind it, going against Disney and and all these big all these big companies with their Frozens and with their Scooby-Doo's and their Smurfs, Cracker just, just crushing it because it was the proof of concept, which we can finally say we proved it because obviously you don't have a title with no stars and no money behind it, charting at number one, number two, number three, doing those kinds of numbers. So the proof of concept proved itself. So now the proof is in the pudding. People want to see it. 
So the deal came across the table. They cut a check. Part of the deal was we pull it down. But what they can do is they can go to um, YouTube and check out the trailer. Uh, if they go to Cracker World, they maybe sign up for um, keeping up with an update. That'd be fantastic because we want to. We're gonna grow this Cracker brand um, beyond this series. And um, we actually have uh, some of the founders of, of Coachella reached out to me. They actually came to a set that I'm filming at, and they said we want to maybe do like a Cracker Fest stage that will have like people like Kendrick Lamar and Jay-Z and Rage Against the Machine and, and Eminem and like all kinds of just like cross-culture artists that are all about unity. So we're growing this brand. The crack of merch will probably be something a lot more along the lines of um, very youth-driven and, and like lyrical lemonade, like light colors, because it doesn't have that same negative connotation as the N-word because it's just, that's so deeply rooted in negativity. Crack is more of, of a word that doesn't have that we know, we know what the context is, but it doesn't have that same deep anger. And that, so I, and we trademarked the name. We were able to trademark the name Cracker so we can monetize it in a way and, and, and put across the message. And once we grow that brand, I want to put proceeds towards different programs. So we're, you know, it's going to be a, uh, and as much as you want to help and be part of it, then, uh, you know, you're welcome to the, to, to the, to the team. So, you already know I'm in. I'm in there like swimwear, baby. Hey. <laughs> Awesome. So yeah, um, you you have any any parting? I'm I'm sorry people can't get to watch it. I wish we had this like last week so yeah. that people would have had an opportunity to watch it. Listen, if 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 it, if it comes around, like I said before, probably didn't pick this up when I was saying. So, um, the option lasts for three months. Um, if for whatever reason they don't come through, now even though we just signed an option and they know that there's been several other companies that have now since seen the the charting that are coming back and saying, listen, what's going on with it right now? I'm like, well, you know, y'all could have had this. Right. So, but now you missed out. So now these people jumped in, they cut a check. And I'm like, okay, so we'll abide by our rules. We'll take it down. Once the money flows, we go into production, whether it's Louisiana or whether it's in Atlanta or someplace in Florida, we're going to use a tax credit state and do it the right way. Because I want this, this, this is going to be on the level of, um, Vikings, uh, Outlander. Have you seen Outlander? I have not. Outlander is a series that that, that takes place in um, the past. It, it actually the present day for Outlander is 1940s World War II. An Irish woman in London um, goes for a walk. She sees some sort of Celtic magical thing happening by some stones at night. She goes back there the next day. She falls through time, like three centuries. Falls in love with a with a with with an with a with a um, with a Scottish uh, rebel, and it's this whole amazing time travel love story. The 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 um, the wardrobe's amazing. So it's a love story. It's science fiction, blend time travel. So Crack is gonna have that same vibe. So no matter where we film it, we're gonna take advantage of 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 that amazing location and the tax credits and and the amazing local talent because we will have to have an abundance of of characters that are both the slave, the enslaved, and also the slave masters and. We'll have some abolitionists, so it's going to be a similar story that we've seen many times. But just, just something, something as simple as flipping the races. Flip just the script. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So those ones that told you know it first, I want you to tell them back then they didn't know me. Now hot they all on me, Mike Jones. Hey. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> my sister's in the comments talking about she's my baggage. <laughs> Actually, I am 
really her baggage. <laughs> you guys are close? You guys are close? Yes, we are. We are. We're nine years apart, but we're we're really she's close. Older. Huh? She's older or younger? She's older. Okay, so when you were doing Colors of Rage, she was like, you're going to New York City, you're going to be in a movie, you better be careful. She probably doesn't even remember. That's my mama's oh, okay. sister, though. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> she might not remember. But you know what I remember about it? Because I submitted. I saw it on a trade thing or something, and I submitted. And I remember y'all called, like, uh, yeah, we would like to have you, but uh, you coming on your own dime. I was like, oh, I'm coming on. You're like, you know, y'all were like, we, we're not paying no expenses. <laughs> we're not doing all that. I'm like, okay. Right. Yeah. You know, this is a learning experience for me, and I'm all in. I don't care. I pay my own way. Wait, <laughs> when I was just trying to audition for Rosen in Boston as an actor, I was going to every audition I could. And I got my SAG card in Boston. And I remember I was, I saw a casting for, they were doing that film, Last of the Mohicans, with Daniel Day-Lewis. It was a great, great movie. And um, uh, Michael Mann was the director. And I remember seeing the posting, posting for it back when they used to actually post auditions and, and, on, on um, walls and, and, and telephone poles. Uh, do they even have telephone poles anymore? Anyways, I remember seeing the audition and said, we don't need, we only need American Indians. We don't need any Caucasians, any Blacks. And I was like, they might need some white people to, to, to kill some Indians. So let me just, let me just go too. And I didn't know, they, they didn't see me. But my point is, when you really want to, you know, have success in something, you don't let anything stand in your way. That's so, right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you made that trip, that you saw the value in yourself. And um, you're willing to do something that probably not a lot of people are willing to do. And it paid off for you in your own humble way. And here you are all these years later, we're still connected and you're still killing it on your own. And you're still taking those steps and being adventurous and putting yourself first and making the making your dream happen. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, um, you have any parting things you wanna tell the people? Or first of all, you guys go follow Cracker. What is it, Cracker TV on IG? Cracker TV or Real Rage, R-E-E-L-R-A-G-E. Crack it. What do you What do you prefer? Because I know I call you Dale. You You go by Dale or Rage. Oh, no. Dale Dale Dale's fine. Rage Rage became a music video tag because a lot of the artists I was doing videos for that I would meet at award shows would say, "You look familiar, but what's your name?" And I would say, "Dale Restagini," and they would say, "Dale Rest." Like it, it just became something they 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 couldn't like remember instantly. So. Um, it was around the time I was doing the, I was asked to do the Soldier Boy video for Crank That, which every director on the planet wanted to do, because at that point in time, Crank That was like literally the biggest thing in hip hop. His manager, Smurf, who's in College Park, Georgia, uh, said to me, yo, D said that you were, um, that, that you were the guy to do this video, because I was blowing up at that point in time. And he goes, I kind of heard that you had a nickname called Rage. And I kind of did have a nickname called Rage, but it was for something totally different, because I used to do rock and metal videos, right? that were low budget. And when I didn't have money for even have to have drum pads and cymbals that would make the sound not so loud, I would have to scream over the drummer to make sure the band members were in time and they were doing what they're supposed to do. And so people would kind of just misinterpret me screaming as being angry and rage. So that was like a very small unknown nickname, but it kind of traveled and then Smurf said, I'm going to give you the Soldier Boy video, but I want you to change your name to Rage. I guess from a marketing standpoint, it made a lot of sense for him to say you got a guy named Rage doing the video. And then for me, it worked out because a lot of 
rappers would say, yeah, rage, rage, rage. It's just easier to roll off the tongue. So it definitely got me a lot of work and it was a nice moment in time for me. Um, some artists didn't want to work with me because they thought a guy named Rage was like, probably not someone you want to work with, which is just whatever. But it definitely really worked for me um, coming up during those um, big time, uh, the, the bigger budgets back in, from 05 to 2010, because, you know, Kim and I had a really, really great run during that point in time before the budgets came crashing down in the wake of downloading and streaming. Well, awesome. Someone just said, great interview. And I just want to say here with the I come with baggage, I like to say these are candid conversations. We don't do any prep before. We don't have, you know, any, you know, you, you're almost the first person that didn't say like, well, Crystal, what are we talking about? Can you give me some questions in advance? Like, you're a pro. You're, I, I'm like, can you have on a live? We just want to have a, a candid conversation. I, you're like, sure, I'll, I'll be on there. Anything. It's just, it's a, you know what? I, I, I come from having to figure it out myself. And so when you're in that situation, it's either, it's like that Eminem line, you know, you, you got one shot, you just, you just, you just, you're going to kill it, you're going to fold. And I just don't fold. <laughs> Neither do you. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So I want to let everybody know, listen, I come with baggage. We all come with baggage. So don't forget you guys follow the fly travel line and you can get your, I come with baggage tees. You guys, I really want you guys, if you're not busy, but we'll talk offline. I'm having a Sip Social in Sicily on January the 9th, where we're going to go to Sicily uh, virtually. But it's going to be a live. It's going to be a guy on the opposite side giving us a tour, um, doing a live concert with Sicilian music. Um, and he's going to teach us Italian hand language. And, and you're Italian. <laughs> Hold on a second. Kim, do you want to go to Sicily with... Um with uh, Crystal on um, what day? January 9th. On 9th, you wanna go to Sicily on the 9th? What's she typing? I can't see the feed. Yeah, it's uh, it's virtual. Um, So you guys will be on the Zoom Two in, in Sicily. Really good friends are straight Italian. They can speak Italian fluently, so I'm sure that they wanna jump on too. Okay, cool, cool. My sister said, Kim, your tea is on the way. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna put together a really nice um, gift basket for you guys. Can <laughs> we make sure you get you get a crack a crack a hoodie too? Awesome, awesome. You know I'm gonna be rocking in Pratt up on hey. the gram. <laughs> All right, well, don't be a stranger. I'm sure you won't. We're always on each other's pages, so I will talk to you soon. You have anything you want from people? You know I got a few people on here that do a lot of support and anything you need, I, anything you want. I would say please follow the Cracker TV, and they can reach out to Letzia who runs that page and say hello, Letzia. Rotundo, she's great at running that page. And there's also um, a gentleman, Kim, send them. Oh, if they go to, if they're on TikTok, go to Rune, R-O-O-N underscore Tang, T-A-N-G. This white guy went viral with, you've probably seen it. He's like, I want to be the house cracker and cracker. And he, has, he he's in Atlanta. He went viral. He's got over like a million views of, of this of this one cracker post he did. He's like, let me tell you about this series called Cracker. It's about if the, the, the blacks are the masters and the whites, like he's just really animated and funny about it. And he's basically sort of our, I won't call him a mascot, but he's kind of like the mascot for Cracker. He does all these Cracker <laughs> posts. And so go follow him because he always has the update of what's going on with our series and the Cracker situation. So they can go to either crackerworld.com to stay in touch. And we're going to be more active in, in keeping that site updated with information now that we know what we're doing right now. And um, 
follow me at Real Rage, and let's just keep this thing moving. Let's keep it moving. And and you know what? When when things continue to progress with you, um, I'm so sorry people couldn't download. I had people on standby to download and put some reviews on there. Right. But they got an opportunity when this thing goes to series. It's going to be amazing and huge. And you know, I'm going to be a big old cheerleader. I'm going to be over there on the sidelines. Hey. hey, hey. <laughs> well, listen, they, they can support by checking out Cracker merch. And they can only run Cracker, hoodie, cap, uh, T-shirt. So I appreciate all the support and love. Um, if you're in L.A. anytime soon or up north to New York, New Jersey, feel free to, to, to drop on by. But let's stay in touch. I, I know Kim will go to Sicily with you on, on, on the 9th. And um, I'll talk to you very soon. Thank you for having me on your live. Oh, you're welcome. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, Kim. Kim, I'll be in touch because I got I to gotta get the address to send you guys a package. And Kim already invited me up to Jersey. I'll be there. Does Kim still have, does she have a cat anymore? We have two. You have two cats. See, see, you know, I had to, I had to do a little, um, a little uh, wellness check on my mind. <laughs> Make sure I still remember good. I think last time you saw us, we just had one, but then we got a second one named Minxie. So we have a black cat and a gray cat. They're our family. They're, they're our fur babies. Like they're they're, they're our family. So uh, yeah, it, it's it, they love it up here. As you as will you. So I think you live in a similar area where you got peace and quiet, some acreage, but we don't have any cracky kids running around on my mortar <laughs> on our street. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you guys soon. Kim already invited me. As soon as the Rona is over. As soon as Rona is over, I'm on my way, dog. I got you. <laughs> Talk soon. All right, talk to you guys soon. Bye, Bye Kim. Love you, girl. Bye, honey.